we have hotlines and uh, programs active now in Butte, Ventura, and Los Angeles counties. And so uh, we are, you know, pleased to be there as kind of a project manager and uh, aggregator to make sure that people kind of have a one-stop shop to to get help when they need it. We are much better at responding after the fact, in my opinion, than we are at and responding before the fact. And it's going to be an increasingly important policy issue to talk about the responsibilities that government have to help people get out. We have a group of teams scouring the area looking for places where we can set these units up or even purchase and or rent recreation vehicles that might serve the purpose as well. Welcome to the award-winning podcast Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. I write a legal blog named May It Please the Court and have two books out called How to Get Sued and The Sled. Well, today, before introducing our topic, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. You can try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. Well, in November of 2018, just earlier this month, destructive fires erupted across the state of California. A new batch of wildfires included the Woolsey Fire and the Camp Fire. So far, the Camp Fire has killed at least 86 people, destroyed 14,000 residences. 296 people are still unaccounted for. These fires are becoming both California's deadliest and most destructive wildfire on record. Personally, I will disclose that I have friends in each one of the fires who have lost their homes. Well, today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we are going to be discussing these recent California fires, their impact and aftermath, uh, as well as a myriad of other natural and man-made disasters and how law firms and attorneys can get involved with assisting disaster survivors, among other things. Well, here to to discuss this topic today is attorney Dan Wade. He's the 2018-2019 coordinator of the ABA Young Lawyers Division Disaster Legal Services Program. He's helping survivors with insurance issues in collaboration with state, local, and federal partners. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for having me. And our next guest is Tia Chalmers. She is the CEO and general counsel of the Alameda County Bar Association, and she's also the founder of Disaster Law Help Northern California, formerly known as the Bay Area Resilience Collaborative. She's been a leader in the fields of free legal services for low-income communities for the last 20 years. Welcome to the show, Tila. Thanks. Great to be here. And finally, we have Michael Hart. He is the news desk manager at the Federal Emergency Management Agency's headquarters in Washington, D.C. We know them better as FEMA. Michael is currently serving as the news desk manager for FEMA's response and recovery efforts for the California wildfires. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Michael, let's start with you. I mean, this is a kind of a federal uh, emergency management. It's not just the California wildfires that we face, but also floods and snow and tornadoes and hurricanes and volcanoes and you pretty much name it and the earth will throw it at us. But what what is it that um, 
happens when when people become displaced from fires, when they lose their belongings, when uh, their their houses are flooded. What processes do people go through from kind of a, a when the storm comes to getting out of the way to when the storm is done, uh, trying to wrap up and find out what's left of your life? How does the the government and uh, these disaster agencies fit into all of that process? I know it's a big question. Well, as you mentioned earlier, this particular disaster, these devastating fires, they broke out in earlier in early November. And so when any anytime there is a disaster, the state makes a request for funding uh, from the federal government, and then the president will approve a a uh, disaster declaration. So that's exactly what happened for this disaster. The president approved the major disaster declaration uh, the second week in November, November 12th. And that declaration uh, essentially authorized FEMA to provide uh, federal recovery support through individual assistance, public assistance, uh, mitigation grants. And uh, these declarations will specifically name uh, counties in any particular state that are affected by the given disaster. So in this case, it was Butte, uh, Los Angeles, and Ventura counties. Well, Tila, when we when we look at Butte, you know, we see paradise. We you know, we know of where it is and and the community it is. What there's a lot of low income people in that area. What what happens to people? Is are these are some of this going to get just swept over them? Are they going to live a life of disaster after this, or is there a way to get back on their feet? How does it work? There are several different programs that survivors are eligible for. Uh, our focus right now, of course, is uh, providing housing to survivors. So what we're doing now, we have several teams. FEMA has several teams uh, currently looking at sites throughout uh, Butte County, uh, looking at areas where they can place housing units, whether it be uh, mobile housing units, RV trailers. Uh, we're looking for immediate, intermediate housing that suits the needs of the individual family based on their family size, age of uh, children, perhaps if they have uh, any special needs. So we have uh, a group of teams scouring the area looking for places where we can set these units up or even uh, purchase and or rent uh, recreation vehicles that might serve the purpose as well. Teal, let me throw a kind of low-income question to you, and Paradise is that type of an area. Uh, and in, in a lot of disasters, we're beginning to see news coverage where people say, I, I can't afford to evacuate. You know, in Paradise, there wasn't really an option. It just it came before people even knew. But like for some of the floods and, and some of the hurricanes in the south and uh, in the coastal areas, people really can't afford to get out. So what do low-income people do as options for this? Well, I think that a lot of times uh, that was really a particular problem, for example, in Katrina, where the governmental entities uh, were just not equipped to help those who were low income get out. Uh, and we did see that a little bit uh, in Florida and in Puerto Rico as well. So we are uh, much better at responding after the fact, in my opinion, than we are at and responding uh, before the fact. And it's going to be an increasingly important policy issue to talk about the the responsibilities that government have to help people get out. There's been a lot of talk about giving people enough notice, and that's certainly a big issue. But there's also the question of uh, providing 
buses, uh, earlier notifications, other uh, mechanisms to help people uh, evacuate from dangerous areas. Dan, what does the ABA do in response to these disasters? What's your role? So the ABA, uh, Young Lawyers Division, uh, has a memorandum of understanding with FEMA. And what we are tasked with doing is setting up a uh, resource uh, hotline for disaster survivors to call in and get referred to legal resources or attorneys who will help them at no charge. Um, so here in California, uh, we've coordinated with the uh, the state bar. Um, I have to give a shout out to uh, my friend and colleague, Elizabeth Hom at the Office of uh, Inclusion and Access at the state bar, who's who's done a really marvelous job of coordinating all the local uh, pro bono entities and law firms and uh, TILA's organization to get something set up for these people. And so we have hotlines and uh, programs active now in Butte, Ventura, and Los Angeles counties. And so uh, we are you know, pleased to be there as kind of a project manager and uh, aggregator to make sure that people kind of have a one-stop shop to, to get help when they need it. And what kind of help specifically is it that they need? I mean, what kind of requests do people with disasters come to you with? Well, it's a, a variety of issues. Um, common things that uh, pro bono attorneys will help uh, client disaster clients with are uh, appealing denials of FEMA benefits, um, housing issues, landlord-tenant, price gouging, uh, insurance issues, uh, particularly in wildfires, that's a big one because you have larger numbers of people who are insured um, as opposed to a flood where you, you do have less people insured. Um, but, but even people with insurance need a lot of help uh, navigating the process. And so really, it's a, it's a variety of issues. And, and the, the goal of the program is to have self-help resources, but also to um, find attorneys who either specialize in these areas or can get up to speed with the training materials that we can provide uh, to help people uh, get through this uh, tricky situation. You know, Michael, the, the insurance companies have done a pretty good job of defining fire areas, and uh, we have known floodplain areas described by uh, you know, Army Corps of Engineers, among others, uh, large mappings have occurred of that. But it seems like uh, given the change in the climate that we're experiencing, uh, or whatever you want to pin it to, uh, fires are getting more severe, floods are getting more severe, tornadoes uh, occurring more often. What can people do to prevent uh, these kind of disasters or avoid them? Is it just moving out of an area or buying insurance and making sure that you're covered and, and hope it doesn't happen to you? What, what's the thinking behind how people are going to handle this, this increased occurrence of it? Right. Uh, well, Craig, we encourage uh, every homeowner, uh, even if you're renting your home, to purchase some sort of insurance that fits your needs. Uh, on the flooding side, I know this is not a flooding event, but uh, we encourage everyone to purchase flood insurance, whether they're in a, in a flood zone or not. You know, uh, one inch of water in your house can cause upwards of $25,000 worth of damage, if not more. So we encourage everyone to carry some type of insurance that fit their needs and, of course, that fits into their budget. And going back to that, uh, you know, the first order of business after a disaster for survivors is, uh, in fact, for them to contact uh, their insurance company and file a claim. 
then the very next thing that they should do is contact FEMA to apply uh, for federal assistance. And then we will work with them to see exactly what they are eligible to receive. Now, there's a few ways that they can uh, register and get their case uh, started. They can call the toll-free helpline, which is at uh, 800-621-3362. And uh, specifically for this disaster, there are agents available uh, to work with survivors from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., and that's Pacific time, and that is seven days a week. Or they can register uh, on the web via uh, the website disasterassistance.gov. Tila, can you take us through a particular example? You know, just take us into the aftermath of the fire and uh, through the eyes of somebody who's going through it from what you've seen from your organization's standpoint. Help us out. Sure. So one of the most common scenarios is that there's a million things going on for the survivor all at the same time. So when the fire is coming through, of course, there is issues of immediate personal safety. There's getting all the family to a safe place, dealing with family pets, making sure they have shelter, someplace to sleep, food to eat, that sort of thing, medical issues taken care of. Then the next level is the sort of level of shock when they realize that their entire home is destroyed. And that is, uh, if you go to look at some of these uh, areas, you'll see that the only thing standing might be a fireplace and weirdly a washing machine, you know, something metal that sort of survived the fire, but everything else is just completely flattened and gone. So as uh, Michael mentioned, uh, people who have insurance struggle with insurance carriers who may initially demand all kinds of proof of what people own. And if people had any proof of it, it probably was in the house, which is no longer with us. So there are also lots of issues around uh, fraudulent adjusters and fraudulent contractors who start swarming over places where there's been a major disaster, uh, promising to fix up the place for a tiny amount of money and then taking the money and running or insisting that their help is necessary in order to get insurance coverage in place when really it is not. There are lots of other issues, though. For example, if the uh, survivors were tenants, the question is, do they still have to pay the rent if the place was destroyed? Or what about if it was only sort of destroyed? If they were employed, they may face the fact that their place of employment was also destroyed, or they can't get to their place of employment because they have now been relocated several counties away uh, in order to find shelter. Uh, so there are all kinds of employment issues uh, that come up. Unfortunately, uh, there are uh, probate and family law issues when you have people who have died or divorced families who had a a custody arrangement, but now mom and dad have gone to different states to uh, to shelter and uh, what happens uh, to their custody arrangement. So there are all kinds of really uh, surprising issues. We got a lot of questions about what happens if my car was destroyed and I was still making payments on the car, for example. Things that you might not think of until you until you get into the heat of it. Wow, a lot of things that we haven't thought about, or at least that I haven't thought about. Well, before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. 
That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up at their website, clio.com, that's C-L-I-O.com, with the code L2L10, that's L2L, the number 10. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams. We are joined by attorney Dan Wade. He's the 2018-2019 coordinator of the ABA Young Lawyers Division's Disaster Legal Services Program. Tila Chalmers, she's the CEO and general counsel of the Alameda County Bar Association and founder of Disaster Law Help Northern California. And Michael Hart, the news desk manager at FEMA's headquarters in Washington, D.C. We've been talking about how people respond to disasters uh, and particularly the California wildfires and, and how to prepare for those uh, natural or man-made disasters. Right before the break, uh, Dan, Tila kind of mentioned a, a whole series of things that come up legally. What can people do to prepare for those kind of eventualities? Like, you know, I think a surprising one is that mom and dad are in different states and they're divorced with custody arrangements that can't be met because of the distance. How do people prepare for that kind of thing? I think that there are a lot of things that people can do to prepare, but the caveat is it's hard to know in advance what to prepare for. Some things you can predict and some things are just really hard to anticipate. But I would say that the more documentation you can have and the more you can have that documentation on a cloud app or, or in, in, in your Gmail, if need be, uh, the better off you're going to be. If you have an insurance policy, to email it to yourself so that you have an electronic copy of it that you can get elsewhere. Um, uh, United Policyholders has a terrific app. Uh, you can find it at uphelp.org uh, that will allow you to make a record of your belongings. And again, we'll store that uh, on the app in the cloud so you can get it. And if you have situations like custody situations or uh, you're responsible for caring for an elder or, or a disabled adult, you want to try to think through what would this look like and try to talk with your family about what would our what would our plans be? Uh, but you're always going to have to have that stressful moment of dealing with all of these details that turned out not quite the way you anticipated them. Dan, when these disasters occur, how do people, how do you help people find out what to do? Well, the goal of, of the program is to make sure that there is a centralized place for people to call. And the way that we get the word out about that uh, hotline is by uh, sending volunteers and uh, staff attorneys from uh, legal aid and pro bono organizations in the affected areas to the disaster recovery centers, which are the FEMA one-stop shops where folks can go and register and get assistance and meet with uh, government agencies, recreate lost documents, talk to the volunteer attorneys. Um, and, you know, we try to do as much publicity as we can in the community. Um, a lot of times uh, after the initial uh, disaster is over, uh, we'll organize clinics and events, town hall type events where people can come and get information on, you know, how to handle your insurance claim or what to do if you're having a, a t issue with your landlord or an employment issue. Um, and so I have to give a lot of credit to, um, you know, TILA's organization and the state bar and the uh, organizations in the 
affected areas who are uh, running the hotlines and, and staffing up the, the disaster recovery centers because they're really on the front lines there uh, making sure that we can interface with survivors and that we can let them know that there is help available uh, uh, when they need it. Great. Michael, one of the surprising things to me that I've observed just as a kind of participant in the aftermath of these disasters from an outsider standpoint is watching social media's use uh, to help people reunite with their pets. Uh, A lot of horses in the area, the Malibu fires, uh, likewise up in Butte because of its rural nature, uh, other types of farm animals and the like. What is it that the, the government, how does the what role does the government play in, in helping people evacuate pets and then ultimately reuniting them if they weren't able to get them out? The uh, shelters, Craig, are actually run at the state level, but we work closely with the state partners. Uh, in this case, Cal OES, uh, Office of Emergency uh, Services, uh, the governor's office here. So we work closely with them and with the shelters. Uh, and Basically, our role in that is making sure that we continue to get the word out where emergency shelters are located. And we try to stay uh, very diligent on that in letting people know where they're located, which shelters uh, can accommodate uh, pets, uh, what the capacity is there. And to go even further, our, our registration teams, well, they're out there already going door to door when possible, when necessary, but they also flood the emergency shelters, again, to help people get registered uh, so they can begin the process of, uh, of determining what, what benefits that they're eligible for and so we can get money in their pocket so they can start that long process of recovering. What I didn't mention earlier as far as some other programs that we have, certainly for housing, we have uh, what we call the Transitional Sheltering Assistance uh, Program, which is going on right now up in Butte County. And what that uh, acronym is for that is TSA, and it's a a short-term sheltering program where it allows families to get into a dwelling until other temporary or permanent housing solutions uh, can be found. We work closely also with the uh, Small Business Administration, which, uh, you know, that's one of our federal partners, and they offer low-interest disaster loans. FEMA also offers uh, critical needs assistance where we can provide uh, up to $500 in accelerated disaster assistance for eligible uh, households. Uh, We also provide rental assistance. So there's a lot of different programs available, but what we what they have to do is, again, check with the insurance company because FEMA, uh, by law, cannot duplicate what, their, what the insurance company is going to provide. But we do fill in as best we can those gaps. So check with your insurance company, get that process started, and contact FEMA immediately. Thank you. We've just about reached the end of the program, so it's time for us to wrap up and get your final thoughts. And one of the things that, in particular that I would like each one of you to address is how you and your organization uh, can tell people how to get ready for a natural disaster. Much of the discussion we've had so far has been on the aftermath, but let's focus in the closing on uh, what people can do to get ready for disasters, because we know that they're going to occur. It's mostly a question of when. 
Uh, and then if you'd like, uh, offer up your your organization's contact information so our listeners can reach out to you and perhaps get involved, volunteer with your programs as well. So, uh, Dan, let's start with you and uh, have you summarize for us. Thank you. I'd like to uh, take this time to make sure that our listeners know um, where they can uh, call to get help. Um, the uh, number for the Butte County uh, survivors is 1-800-345-9491. The number for Ventura is 1-877-301-4448. And for Los Angeles County, it's 1-800-870-0732. And I have to uh, give a shout out to our partners there. Butte County Legal Services of Northern California is handling a lot of those calls in Ventura. It's the Ventura County Legal Aid. And in Los Angeles, it is Neighborhood Legal Services of Los Angeles. And uh, if the listeners weren't able to get those numbers down, um, you can Google uh, Disaster Legal Services Program and uh, the American Bar Association homepage will come right up on Google. And if you click there, we put all of the phone numbers and press releases and information, uh, both for uh, survivors and potential attorney volunteers who want to help. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Tila, let's turn it over to you for a summary about what your groups do. So I think um, one of the most important things we do is to help mobilize volunteers. And as the ABA site uh, that Dan mentioned is one place, you can also Google California State Bar Disaster. Not to suggest that our state bar is a disaster. That's another podcast. But for this, uh, this will lead you both to the uh, to links for survivors and also links for attorneys interesting, interested in volunteering. In the new year, uh, my organization is going to be launching a legal first responders training program uh, for attorneys who are interested in getting trained and being ready uh, to mobilize uh, whether remotely or on-site in the event of a disaster. If you're interested in that, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is tila, T-I-E-L-A, at acbanet.org. Great. And, Michael, we'll turn it over to you. Yes. First, I'd like to provide the FEMA's website, www.fema.gov. You can go on there and search any information for uh, pertaining to a particular disaster, pertaining to the disaster uh, that you may be uh, a survivor of. There'll be a lot of information there as far as where disaster recovery centers are, uh, an update on uh, how to go about reaching uh, FEMA uh, as far as the disasterassistance.gov website. Uh, also, i like to reiterate the toll-free hotline number again. It's 1-800-621-3362. And in speaking to your question about uh, what people can do to, to prepare for any given disaster, I'd like to turn their attention to a website, ready.gov, R-E-A-D-Y.gov. And it is information on here pertaining to several types of disasters, flooding, wildfires, mudslides, hurricanes, earthquakes. So I would turn their attention to that and 
that should help them prepare for future disasters because we know that they they will occur. Uh, I'd also like, uh, lastly, to give you the addresses quickly of the disaster recovery centers up in Butte County. One is 1982 East 20th Street, and that is in Chico. And the other address is in Oroville, and the address is 2140 Feather River Boulevard. And again, that's in Oroville. Thank you so much. Great, Michael. Thank you. That's wonderful information. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. If our listeners like what they heard today, please give us a rating in Apple Podcasts. You can also visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com, where you can leave a comment on today's show and sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer. Produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi for their next podcast covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.